Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. WBT, Brett Jensen here with you on this Thursday edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen. Going all the way up until 8 o'clock like we always do. 704-570-1110, as always, is the telephone number. And guys, follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And you guys know that I refuse to call it Twitter now because I want to pay homage to Elon Musk for actually doing what he's doing. So we should call it by its proper name. And therefore, it's X. All right. So we continue our primary preview for District 8, the congressional seat District 8, southeastern part of Mecklenburg County, half of Cabarrus County, all of Stanley County and Union County and Anson County and Robeson County and Richmond County. I think that Richmond County, Scotland, Scotland County and Scotland County. Thank you. So we continue that tonight. Last night we had Lee Brown on. A week ago we had Don Brown on. And back in December we had uh, Mark Harris on. Tomorrow night we have Alan Balkum to round out the five candidates that will be sitting in studio with me. But tonight is John Bradford in his very first interview, North Carolina Representative John Bradford, in his very first interview since announcing in December that he was going to run for Congress in District 8. So First of all, I really do appreciate you doing this because I know people have been wanting to talk to you left and right ever since you made the announcement two months ago. So I really do appreciate you coming in tonight. Well, hey, thank you for having me. And it's nice to see where uh, all the magic happens here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, a little bit behind the curtain, right? Yeah, I see, yes. Um, okay, so we're going to get into a lot of different topics tonight. And, you know, just like I have with all the other candidates. And so I start, and the audience knows this, I start and end the interview, especially with politicians, the exact same way. So and then, well, it's everything in the middle that's different. So when did you wake up one morning or how did you wake up one morning and just go, I'm running for Congress? Well, you know, my family is not any different, like any different from anyone else. I mean, we we experience uh, more expensive prices when we go to Walmart and Food Lion. You know, we're paying the same high prices at the pump. And, you know, it's obvious to our family that Washington is broken. I mean, it is. And I think everyone would agree that it's absolutely broken. Um, and I think we need people in Congress that, you know, people can trust, that they can trust are going to go there and make a difference and get the job done. Um, and I, you know, look, I have a proven record of, of doing just that, delivering. Uh, North Carolina, you know, I'm, I'm in my eighth year, starting my eighth year in the North Carolina legislature. And I think North Carolina, Brett, is just an amazing model for Congress. You know, with our conservative legislature, which you've, you've covered a lot, we've done some amazing things. And so, you know, I have a proven record, you know, voters can trust me. And I told my wife, you know, it's time for me to try to go and help fix it. Um, And, you know, as I think about this, issues like, you know, Biden, he's given us these wide open borders. Uh, He's given us uh, spending that's out of control. Uh, A a very woke agenda is is attacking us, you know, the American values. Uh, In Raleigh, 
you know, when I think about some of those things, Brad, you know, I think about the woke agenda. I mean, voters can trust me because in Raleigh, I voted to make sure parents had a Bill of Rights so that they know what their kids are being taught in school. I think that's incredibly important, right? I have four children, and so I, I've you know, wanted that for my kids, and I want it for everyone else's children. Uh, you know, this idea that biological males can compete against girls in sports, I mean, it's absurd. You know, I voted to make sure that that doesn't happen so voters can trust me. Um, a variety of other issues, taxes. I mean, I have, you know, I've, I'm a senior chairman of finance, Brett, so I have my fingerprints all over tax policy in North Carolina. And I've helped lead the, uh, the deepest tax cuts the state has ever seen. And so voters can trust me that I'm going to go to D.C. and do that. Now, Alan Bauckham, who I know is on your show tomorrow night, when he was county commissioner, he, he raised taxes you know, year after year. Uh, when it comes to you know, immigration, uh, you know, this is a hot topic, the number one topic. Uh, what I'll tell you is voters can trust me because in Raleigh, I've made sure that sanctuary cities don't happen in North Carolina. Obviously, District 8 is, has a little bit of Charlotte, but we don't want a sanctuary city in Charlotte. Uh, I've, I've stopped and made sure that our very liberal sheriff, McFadden, in Mecklenburg County has to cooperate with ICE. Uh, and I'll tell you, um, you, know, you know, Mark Harris, when he was, he was run for office a lot, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about him throughout the show, but in some of his past elections, you know, when it comes to immigration, he, he said we need to let these illegals who haven't committed crimes stay and become citizens. And we couldn't be farther apart on that issue, if you will. So I think this just comes down to trust, and I have a proven record, and so it's time for me to go to Washington and try to help fix it. I was going to say, because, you know, you were able to do a lot of things up in Raleigh. What made you or what makes you think that, you know, or what what was the thought process? Go, You know what? I've done all I can do in Raleigh. Let's let's now take this to Washington. Was that the thought process? Like, it's just the next level or what, what was the reasoning behind that? Well, I mean, first, I'm, you know, after eight years in the legislature, I mean, I really have enjoyed every moment of it. And I'm you know, term limiting myself out, right? I think I do support term limits, and I'm supporting that for myself, if you will, in Raleigh. Um, originally, um, I was running for state treasurer early on when Dale Falwell said he was for governor. Um, and that was before Dan Bishop, or Congressman Bishop. You know, Dan and I were seatmates in the House of Representatives, so we're, we're friends. And that was before he had decided to run for attorney general, which even created this open seat. So, um, and then, of course, with the announcement of, of Chairman Patrick McHenry, a congressman, been here from North Carolina, was the interim speaker of the House, when he said he wasn't going back, you know, we're losing two good, good members from North Carolina. And so, you know, so there isn't just one thing. I just think I know my talents and, um, and I just feel like it's time to go try and help fix a broken system. I know you're going to be asked this a lot as you start doing interviews, you know, over the next two and a half weeks going into March 5th. Which, by the way, early, so everyone should need to know, just a reminder, early voting actually started today. Yes, it did. Um, so, but you're going to be asked this a lot. Why aren't you running for Congress in District, was it District 10, I believe it is, right? Is that the district? Which, what's the district with, you know, Catawba County, Lincoln County, Iredell County, all that, and why this particular district? Well, so, so I live in District, the new District 14, which Speaker Moore is running for, right? Mm -hmm. And I support him for that. You know, one thing that's interesting about the lines in North Carolina is they've changed a lot. And they're going to change again. In fact, they're being contested in the courts right now. And so while the lines keep changing, you know, I haven't changed. In fact, I can actually walk to District 8, right? I have represented Mecklenburg County. How far of a walk is that? It's like nine miles. Okay. And I walk about 13 miles a day. I'm, well, that's how I get a lot of work done, by the way. And so, um, but what's interesting is I can actually walk to five congressional districts, Brett, five of them, because the north part of Mecklenburg is where it all meets. And so... You know, 
for me, serving Mecklenburg County all these years, it was a natural fit to run for the 8th because Mecklenburg County is a part of the 8th. Um, and plus, I mean, I, know, I don't know if we'll talk about you know, my, my business background, but I have a company. I mean, I have, I'm in District 8 all the time. My company, we have tens of thousands of clients throughout District 8. Um, I'm a partner in a restaurant group. We have two restaurants that we've built in District 8. One is in Indian Trail. One is out in Pembroke on the other side of the district. You know, I've been to those locations. We have employees. So District 8 for me uh, is just a very natural fit because not only have I been serving the folks in District 8 at Raleigh and doing my job as a legislator, but also just you know, helping create jobs and doing business. So it just seemed like a, a more natural fit. District 10 that you referenced, by the way, is is Iredale County and a yep. few other counties, yep. and I've never represented Iredale County. I've only represented Mecklenburg. Talk with John Bradford, who's running for Congress in District 8. He is a current North Carolina State Representative in the legislature. As you heard, he's, served, he's been serving up in Raleigh for eight years. He's just finishing, a, I guess, what, your... Fourth term. Fourth term, yeah. yeah. Middle of the fourth term, right? Just, yeah, yeah, just starting yep. the second year of my fourth term. Yep. Um, okay, so now let's get into a couple other different things. Um, well, I, I, I want to touch on this one more time. Lee Brown was in studio last night, and she said that when she ran in 2019 in that special election, which Dan Bishop won in the, in the old District 9, but the, that's essentially what District 8 is for this time. She said last night that when she ran in 2019, that everything that she kept hearing is, well, you don't live in the district. You don't live in the district. And I know I asked you this during the debate, was if you win, if you are elected, would you move actually to the district as it stands like Dan Bishop left Charlotte to actually move to Waxhaw? And your answer at the time was yes, you would. Is that still the answer? Yes. And so would you like an actual house and not an apartment? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I think, yeah, well... Unlike Mark Harris, who lives in Mooresville and is trying to fool people that he lives in the district, I'm not doing that. Um, yes, I would, uh, I would likely buy land and just build a house. I mean, I would, you know, we, we live in a house that we built, I guess, seven years ago, and I think I would probably take a similar approach. Um, you know, but w- really what I'd love, my wife loves sort of that farmhouse, I guess, architecture. So I would, you know, try to find a piece of land with a farmhouse on it and probably build something in a, a adjacent to it as well. So that's probably what I'd yeah, that's what I'd like to do. All right, so when we come back with John Bradford, North Carolina Rep. John Bradford, we'll continue our discussion on some of the big things going on in District 8 and going and we'll touch into a lot of different topics. He is John Bradford. I am Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. John Bradford, who's running for the congressional seat in District 8, and who's also a current North Carolina legislator, um, is in studio with me up until 8 as we continue our primary preview in District 8, and it is the big congressional race. So actually, there are a lot of interesting congressional races, like the Mark Walker race. That's an interesting one in his district. And then, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Gray Mills and Pat Harrigan. That'll be interesting as well. So there's actually a lot, three very interesting congressional races right here around Mecklenburg County. Um, so, John, let's get into a couple of things. Um, I've asked every candidate this exact same question. What's the biggest need that you can do 
for this district? What's the biggest need of this district that you can actually do in Washington? Well, I mean, the biggest need for this district, North Carolina, the country, is national security, the border. And I kind of put that into three buckets, national security, uh, family security, and financial security. So at the national security level, I mean, let's face it, we've got countries like Iran, Syria, uh, people on the terrorist watch list that want to do us harm, and they're coming through the southern border. I mean, yes, um, there's, you know, people want to wipe us off the face of this planet. They're trying to find a way here, and we've got this wide-open border, so that's a huge national security threat. When I think of family security, you know, we talked about, you know, I'm a parent. Um, I know just in the last month of two families that have lost children to fentanyl. And I don't know, Brett, if you saw the story yesterday out of Scotland County. Uh, I think it was 10 or 12 children in middle school ate candy laced with THC. Now, that's not fentanyl. But the point is, they ate candy laced with THC unknowingly. And that's scary. That could have been laced with fentanyl. And so when I think of family security, I think of protecting my children. People want their children protected. Of course, crime, gangs coming over. We have a a crime problem right here in Charlotte. I'm helping, you know, with that task force. Um, And then, of course, I think of financial security. I mean, look at what Gavin Newsom out of California is doing. He's taking 750,000 illegal aliens and saying, hey, you all have free health care. You've got mayors in some cities that are saying, here are, are gift cards and stipend checks I mean, nothing is free. That is coming from taxpaying citizens, not only in District 8, but North Carolina, all of this country. And so when I go to Washington, I call it the John Bradford Immigration Plan. Here's what we need to do. Brett, we have to secure the border, which means we have to finish the wall. That's number one. Number two, we have to reinstate the remain in Mexico policy. It's, it's not very cozy to wait in Mexico. If they come over in the U.S. and wait, it's very cozy. Well, no wonder why they want to come over here. We need to say no. You wait over in Mexico. You stay over there with the gangs and the drug lords and the sex traffickers. And I think people will not want to wait over there, so they won't come. Three, anyone that comes across the border immediately needs to be returned. And lastly, four, anyone that has come across the border illegally over the last few years, they need to be sent back. That's what we need to do. Um, and, And that's the plan. How high on the list, if at all, is getting recognition for the Lumbee Nation? Well, you know, let's talk about that. I, do you, I don't know if people realize this. I have, I've been out to Robinson, and I have met with the Lumbees. They're amazing people. My wife actually used to do home health in Lumberton. Um, and so Jared Lowry, who I serve with in the House of Representatives, uh, he's actually endorsed me for this race. I think that's very important. Uh, I think that's a meaningful endorsement. Uh, his brother, John Lowry, is actually the chairman of the Lumbee Indians. So that, you know, they don't call it a chief, they call it a chairman. Um, and so I went out there, I visited their cultural center, I met some of their elders, and in fact, I'm in Robinson County again tomorrow, and, and, and I'm doing another event, Jared's hosting an event for me. And so what people don't understand is in 1956, the Lumbee Act was passed by Congress that did recognize them as a tribe. So they've actually been federally recognized. The problem is, and this is really the root cause of it, they were left out of federal treatment and program funding. So they are recognized. And I hear people say, oh, are you going to help them get recognized? Well, they already recognized. They, though, want the rest of the story, which is they want to make sure that they are eligible for federal program funding for affordable housing, health care, education, like the other recognized tribes. And that is what needs to be worked on. And so, yes, there is a huge disparity, and there's no reason why they 
should not have that. I mean, I just, I, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I know why it's being stopped. It's because we have other Indian tribes. And it is a financial thing because there's only so much money. And so the money from the federal programs, Brett, that are going to the other Indian tribes, if they have to share it with the Lumbees, that's less for them. You know, so that doesn't make it right, though. The Lumbees deserve their fair share. So uh, I'll, I will go to Washington and continue to work with the entire North Carolina delegation to try to make that happen. When we return, we'll continue our conversation with John Bradford. He is running for Congress in the District 8 seat, which is set as southeastern Mecklenburg County and everything going east uh, for, for a good hour, hour and a half drive. <laughs> so <laughs> right now, Highway 74, um, including Stanley County and Cabarrus County as well. So he is John Bradford. I am Brett Jensen. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. I am Brett Jensen, and John Bradford is in studio with me. We're going up until 8 o'clock. John Bradford is running in the Congressional District of District 8. He is currently a North Carolina representative up in Raleigh. And so we're going to get into some meat and potato type stuff right now. The, there's been an, an ad going after Mark Harris pretty heavily uh, running around, and uh, I'm curious... A lot of people would say, oh, well, maybe Bradford's behind it or he knows about it because they're going after Mark Harris and Mark Harris might be Bradford's top, uh, toughest competition. So for the record, were you aware that the ad was coming out and did you know anything about that ad? I did not and I am not responsible for that ad. Mark Harris is responsible for that ad, not me. So with the Mark Harris situation, I mean, it goes after him pretty hard. Well, I mean, I mean, let's, I mean, I know that, look, the truth hurts. I mean, Mark Harris, you know, when he decided, I mean, willfully and knowingly made a decision to have a, a campaign that went and harvested ballots, I mean, not only is that illegal, but what he was really doing, Brett, is he was creating what I call the Democrat playbook. And let me explain. So in 2020, Governor Cooper and Attorney General Josh Stein, they used Harris's playbook and what they did is they extended, because they used COVID as an excuse, they extended absentee ballots for days after the election, right? So Mark Harris took this playbook of how to use absentee ballots to try to win. He got caught with his hand in the cookie jar, so obviously that got reversed. But the Democrats took that, and they ran with it. And it really, it really worked. They worked hard to engineer our election results. And in 2020, you know, we did not have a supermajority. I mean, we did not. And so we had to fight hard. And while, you know, Mark Harris broke a lot of gla glass, I mean, he did. He broke a lot of glass doing that. And so, you know, I've been a part of the solution of Raleigh cleaning that up because now we have made sure that we have real items of voter election integrity. We've, we've instated voter ID, for example. We've made sure that absentee ballots can't be counted beyond election day. I mean, there was a day when election night happened and it was over. And so, you know, while Mark Harris created the playbook, I've been in Raleigh actually fixing this. And so it's a hard-hitting ad, but, I mean, the truth hurts. You know, and, again, one of the big things that comes back um, is, and, again, you know, Lee Brown mentioned it last night, that she says, I'm not a carpetbagger. I'm not coming in from out of, out of the district with you or she. I mean, she was even, you know, she even took a shot at Mark Harris saying, well, they don't pay taxes in the district. And you know, because she said Mark Harris has an apartment. That's not paying property taxes. Um, so when you hear that, what do you say? 
Well, I mean, look, Mark Harris is, I mean, look, he can't be trusted. He's trying to fool people and say that he lives in the district. But, you know, I think during the debate, I even talked about when he filmed his you know, introduction of why I'm running for Congress. I mean, he filmed that in the commercial of his Mooresville home. Look, you have to remember, when he ran for the seat five years ago, you know, he, he, he did live in the district. Uh, I mean, when it was the 13th, I lived in the district, right? But when, when he got caught cheating and the fraud happened, um, he moved away. He left the district and moved all the way up to Iredell County. So he moved away. And so now five years later, here's an opportunity with an open seat. And so he runs and rents an apartment and tries to say that it's where, where he lives. And so it's just another example of how he really can't be trusted. I mean, he's going to say or do anything to try to, to, try to win. And, and, um, and I think people want someone in Congress that they can trust. And that's why I'm running in this race. I mean, I have a proven record in Raleigh. I have made promises. I've kept promises. I've delivered results. And so that's you know, why I'm in this race, to, to win it. Representing the district, they're vastly different from end to end. You've got the metro of Mecklenburg County and Charlotte versus the very rural down east. How do you go about satisfying the needs of each area because they're so vastly different? Well, I just think you have to be present, and that's where my, you know, my, my business life helps. I mean, I'm in this district all the time from one to the other. I mean, um, we built the restaurant out in Robison, which is, to your point, a two-hour drive uh, you know, uh, from the east side, from the west side to the east side. And so you know, having a, a business presence throughout the district for me, is, it, you know, this is, it just feels like home, right? It's a very natural fit for me. So I understand the district. And, you know, I mean, I, I told you earlier on the show before break, I'm going to be in Robison tomorrow. I mean, the people on the east side of the district, you know, they're amazing. They're hardworking. Um, and so I'm excited to have an opportunity not just to continue to represent, you know, the people that I've served here in Mecklenburg County, right, but also Cabarrus Union, but really all the way out to that Scotland, Rich, uh, Richmond area and, and Robison. The night of the debate, I asked a question to the candidates, um, the, the six of you, I guess, um, you know, and I asked for a show of hands the first time because, you know, I, I've spent 2022 and 2020, no, 2021 and 2022 in Ukraine during the summer. Um, the, summer, the year before the war, and then actually during the war, I was in Ukraine doing stories on Samaritan's Purse that was out there, and I spent eight days in Kiev in the middle of the war. And, you know, Kiev is in Ukraine, they're in it to the end. Like, and all they're asking for is just help. And then I come back home, and I, I talk to a lot of people, especially you know, on the conservative side, they're, extre- they're like, don't give a dime. Like, we've given billions and billions and billions of dollars, but yet, help them with all the weapons they want because our factories can still produce them and it might be good for the economy or the job market or whatever. So where's your stance? Because I know you wanted to add some stuff on that and we didn't get a chance to go there because we were like going pretty quickly. So if you want to elaborate on the defense fund and just the defense in general and foreign policy, but also the Ukraine situation. Well, I mean, this is, I mean, we talk about Washington being broken. I mean, there's no greater example of Joe Biden's failure. I mean, he is weak in this area. He could have prevented this by providing military assistance to Ukraine before Putin invaded, and he didn't. You know, and when you're, when you're weak, it invites aggression. And when you have strength, it deters it. And this is why we need Donald Trump back as president, because he will make us strong again. And I think that's incredibly important. But, you know, when it comes to Ukraine right now, um, you know, I, I've supported the idea of giving them military support, but we cannot just create an open checkbook to help them. I mean, you know, their border is important, but 
our border is more important. I mean, this is really, you know, going back to our own national security. We have to secure our own border because, you know, we need to know who's coming into our country, and we don't. And so before I would give any money to Ukraine, first I would lean on the European uh, folks to say, help them financially. The Europeans need to have a vested interest, and they can write checks, Brett. But it doesn't seem like they want to do that. So we need to close our border first. And look, Biden has no strategy, no exit plan. I mean, when Trump's in office, he will get the parties together. They'll make a strategy. They'll make an exit strategy. And we will also have, by then, hopefully close our border because that's the plan. And then we can look at funding. But it has to make sure it's not just an open blank check. Absolutely not. What are your thoughts on the Israel and the Gaza war going on with, like, supplying stuff for them as well? You know what? Yet another example. You know, first, look, I stand with uh, Israel and the state of Israel. And look, and I stand with the Jewish people here in America. I mean, look, we, we see our—I'm going to do prestigious. I know, I know this is radio. You can't see me doing the little air quotes. But the prestigious universities here that are anti-Semitic and allowing that to happen, and under our Biden administration, they're condoning that. Um, we need to stand with Israel. I mean, Israel is— the stable player in that region. You got Iran. I mean, you got to think back to when Obama was in office, and then Biden has done the same thing. We've given billions of dollars to the Iranians in exchange for some hostages and a bunch of provisions that we cannot enforce. We cannot enforce them, Brett, but we give them billions of dollars. So guess what they're doing now? They're using that money as terrorist money to attack Israel. And not too long ago, they sent the drone over and killed some of our own soldiers and injured many of our own soldiers. And so we have to stand with Israel because we have to keep Iran, who's a very, very bad player, who absolutely wants to do America harm. There's no question there. And by the way, they're trying to get through our southern border. So we're going right back to secure our border here at home. But we have to stand with Israel because they are the stable player. And we have to make sure that Jewish people here in the Americas understand that we stand with them and we will not stand for anti-Semitism. And I think this administration is dropping the ball. And I know Trump will not. And that is why I can't wait for him to get back in office um, and, uh, and just continue to stand with Israel on this issue. Regardless of the party, it always seems that people who are trying to get elected always talk about the budget and, you know, and the debt. And they want to balance budget and, you know, limit spending. But it never happens. It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. So what are your thoughts on all that, that, you know, the debt just keeps getting worse and worse and worse? And, and, you know, the importance of – does a ballot balanced budget even really matter? Well, it does matter. I mean, heck, I mean, for eight years in Raleigh, I've helped lead a balanced budget. As senior chairman of the finance committee, we run a balanced budget in North Carolina. We're cutting taxes. taxes. We're doing all the right things fiscally. This is why I believe North Carolina is really a model for Congress. You know, during that, you know, during that debate, I think a question was asked about Article 5 and, you know, who supports it. I mean, I think I was the only hand that went up on that. I mean – you know, Article 5 supports term limits. It supports a constitutional amendments to make sure it's rein in federal spending. I couldn't believe that no one on that stage besides me that claims are conservatives wouldn't support the idea of a convention of states. Well, and I will say for the record that Lee Brown did last night okay. say that she supported term limits. Oh, term limits. Well, if you support yep. term limits, then you should have raised your hand on the Article 5 question because that's one of those issues. Uh, but look, in business, Brett, you have to spend less than you make. I mean, that's just a number one rule. I've done that for in two different companies that I've started and grown to create hundreds of jobs uh, for the area. We always spend less than we make, and we have to make sure that we are shrinking the size of government. Government cannot be all things to all people. We have to kickstart this economy, and we can do it by first kicking people off 
social programs that are just, they're capable of working, but they're choosing not to work. I mean, that is a huge siphon to the system. We have to really make sure who actually needs help because they cannot work versus those people who, uh, you know, can work but are choosing not to. And so for me, we can get to a balanced budget. We need to shrink the size of government. uh, And we just have to, you know, be smart about how we spend it, just like we do in business. When we return, we'll conclude our interview with John Bradford. He's running for the congressional seat in District 8. I am Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you for about nine more minutes here on Breaking with Brett Jensen. John Bradford is in studio with, with me as we continue our primary preview as he's running for the congressional seat in District 8. And he's currently a North Carolina legislator getting ready to start his eighth year up in Raleigh. I'm curious, and I always think this is overblown to be perfectly honest with you, and I always think it's a little silly to be perfectly honest with you, but every time... A Democrat's elected president or a mass shooting happens, like what happened the other day in Kansas City, unfortunately, during the parade, the parade of the Kansas City Chiefs. The, the mantra of the right is they're going to take our guns. Yeah. They're going to take our guns. Yeah. And there's always this mad rush to go buy more guns. It happens all the time because they're fearful that they're going to take their guns. So being a Republican, I assume you're pro-Second Amendment. Obviously, I mean, Very. right. So, but what are your thoughts about coming to take your guns? Well, I mean, first of all, if taking your guns was the solution, Chicago would be the safest place on earth, right? I mean, it really would. And it's not, uh, period. And so, look, if I'm elected congressman, I will make sure that law abiding citizens never have their guns taken away. And in Raleigh, I mean, I have a proven record. In fact, the NRA has endorsed me for this race. I mean, that is a, an amazing. Uh, endorsement. So the NRA has endorsed me over all the candidates. And then also there's another gun organization, Second Amendment organization called Grassroots North Carolina. And so they have recommended me as the candidate of choice out of all of these. And, and both of those organizations are supporting me because of my proven track record on the Second Amendment. Is Washington fixable or is it just like a pie in the sky? Everyone says they're going to get there, drain the swamp. Or is it, you know, just talking about a bunch of unicorns and fairies? Is Washington fixable? I mean, it is, but you have to have you have to have a Republican team that unites and gives Donald Trump the resources he needs to fix it. Right. I mean, we need to secure the border. Uh, I mean, we cannot talk about that enough right now. I, I you know, with terrorists, drugs, gangs human trafficking. We need a Republican Congress that's going to come together, help Trump finish that wall, uh, end of story. And I do think it is very, very fixable. We have to have Republicans that unite. That is the big, that's, that, I'm glad you brought that up. That's, somebody told me this the other day, that Democrats are always in lockstep. They never get out of line because they do what they're told, almost as a communist would, you know, like they never get out of line. You, they do what they're told. They're in lockstep. And they just follow in where Republicans tend to fracture off because they're more free thinkers and, you know, the don't tread on me type situation. What's the biggest problem with the Republican Party always being fractured? 
Well, I mean, I think Republicans, I mean, we're, um, you know, we believe in personal individual liberties. And so therefore, there, a, lot of, a lot of us get convicted about what we believe in, very passionate. You know, but right now, we have to unite on some, you know, serious issues. And, and I, I would love to think that every conservative, if they're truly conservative, believes that in Washington, we have to take care of national security. We have to stop this flow of illegal immigrants coming into our country. My goodness, how can you how can you run anything if you just let anyone in and you have no idea who's coming in? I mean, it doesn't even I mean, it doesn't even pass the sniff test. It does not make sense to me. Uh, and so, you this is one issue that I hope that the next Congress will just come in and just take care of business. And I think that would set a strong tone of getting other things done. And I think that one issue can be a uniting issue for the Republicans because. Immigration shouldn't be a Democrat-Republican issue. It should be an issue of national security. I mean, I've talked about the national security, family security, financial security. That's what it needs to be. And I cannot wait to go and, you know, look in Raleigh. I've played my part. Stop those sanctuary cities, ICE. Now I want to go to Washington, D.C. and be a part of fixing that. So a couple more questions here for John Bradford, who's uh, running for the congressional seat in District 8, which was vacated by Dan Bishop, who's now running for attorney general. And then tomorrow night we'll have... Alan Balkum in as we wrap up our uh, preview of like early voting started today, started today. And somebody once said to me, uh, actually earlier this week, said people who show up to vote on the first day of early voting already know who they're voting for. <laughs> like, like, like they already know. Like if you're that chomping at the bit, like they, they're not showing up going, hmm, I don't know what I'm supposed to do Come here. On, like, right. Um, OK, so I want to play word association. OK, you can say. One word, you can say a sentence, just okay. whatever whatever thought. Okay, okay. Don Brown. Attorney. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That's one word. I mean, uh, but you, I, can, you can expand. Well, you can expand. I mean, when I, well, he's an attorney, and I'm sure a very good one, but I just think attorney. Um, Lee Brown. Um, to stay in theme, she's a proud realtor. Um, what about Alan Balkum? Raises taxes. And finally, Mark Harris. Fraud. Fraud. Yes, fraud. That's pretty. That's that's a that's pretty strong term right there. Well, I mean, when you when you harvest ballots to win an election, it's a violation of law. I'd say that's fraud. So I ask, I end every interview the same way. That. Uh, is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you'd like to say or that you'd like to discuss? Or is there anything that you'd like to say in these final two minutes? Well, I mean, look, Washington's broken. I've talked a lot about tonight about how I want to go help fix it. Um, you know, we're under attack. Uh, we're under attack at the southern border. You know, we know, we know all the reasons. Um, we got a group of terrorists overseas that want to do us harm. Um, I don't, you know. Joe Biden is completely out of control. He's got to be fired. I mean, we have to send Joe Biden home, period. And then, you know, we talked just a few minutes ago, we we're talking about how Republicans need to unite. And it is, you know, that's no laughing matter. Republicans do need to unite. Uh, we have to come together. Um, you know, we have to secure our border. Uh, and we have to fix a broken Congress. And, you know, Donald Trump, he cannot do it alone. He cannot. He needs, uh, he needs a team that's going to uh, support him. I think we need people in Congress that... Uh, Voters can trust who have a proven record of delivering results. I will tell you in the eight years or in the seven years, I'm starting my eighth in Raleigh, 
I have worked hard to deliver results. I have a proven track record uh, where voters can trust me from you know, voter ID for election integrity or cutting your taxes to make sure that you bring more money home to your, to your wallet so that you can make better choices, from running a balanced budget, um, uh, from protecting your girls from biological males in their sports, uh, clo- you know, back to secure- security, the, the sanctuary cities, stop sanctuary cities, you know, force sheriffs to cooperate with ICE. I mean, all of these things I have delivered on, and those are the types of things that I will deliver in Washington, D.C., uh, when I go there, the first thing I'm going to work on is the John Bradford Immigration Plan, which we talked about earlier. I want to help get America back on track, you know, once and for all. I think that's incredibly, you know, important. Um, you know, voters have a choice. You know, um, I've talked a lot about, you know, we've talked about Mark Harris. I do not think he can be trusted. Um, you, know, you know, those ads are hitting hard, but like I said, the truth hurts. Um, and when you say you're a conservative, you need to actually be a conservative. And I don't think raising taxes is a conservative. And, and while Alan Balkum raised taxes when he was a county commit property taxes as a county commissioner, I have actually cut taxes in Raleigh every single year that I've been there. So in closing, I'm excited, uh, and I just ask your listeners for their support and for their vote. Well, I appreciate you coming in, and I know, especially for your first interview since announcing back in December that you're running for Congress, so I, I, I truly thank you for uh, letting our audience be the first ones to hear you and speak to us publicly. So thank you for coming. Yeah. Oh, I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. All right. So tomorrow night we will continue and wrap up our primary preview as Alan Balkum, the final candidate in District 8, will be joining me live in studio as well. I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.